This is Ideas at the House, your weekly dose of live talks direct from the Sydney Opera House. The following episode was recorded live at Antidote 2018. My name's Rebecca Huntley and I'll be running this session Raj Patel, Smashing Capitalism for Beginners. He's an award-winning writer, activist and academic. He also makes documentaries. He's a research professor in the Lyndon B. Johnson School of Public Affairs at the University of Texas, Austin. He's got degrees from Oxford, the London School of Economics and Cornell University. He's worked for the World Bank and the WTO and protested against them around the world. Uh, He's written for numerous... Uh, he, wrote, he still writes a lot of academic work, of course, but he also writes in an extremely accessible and engaging way for The Guardian, for the Financial Times and numerous other um, newspapers around the world. And his latest book, co-written with Jason W. Moore, is A History of the World in Seven Cheap Things. And if you're not into reading books because you're too busy smashing capitalism, you can do so whilst also listening to his fortnightly food politics podcast, the secret ingredient. Please put your hands together to welcome Raj Patel. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, I, I want to recognise the land that we're on, uh, Jubugjali, I, I believe is, is the pronunciation. I want to recognise uh, uh, all of you. Thank you so much for coming um, to this session. If, if you wanted the session on how capitalism is quite smashing, uh, that's next door. Uh, th- this, um, well, w- w- what I'm going to be doing here is talking about capitalism and what it is uh, and how it makes us and what it makes and how it ends and what comes next. I'm going to do that in about 20 to 20 minutes. I am going to move fast. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, uh, I mean I, we could do this the, the, the sort of standard academic way, and I, I could tell you, well, you know, capitalism emerges uh, in the collapse of feudalism in Europe. Um, feudalism, that system where lords just have peasants on their land, and, you, and because of the medieval warm period, uh, there's a, a bit of you know, a sort of propitious climate, and things just come out of the ground. It's magic for crops, and that means that the peasantry doesn't really have much bargaining power, and and then it uh, all comes to shit with uh, the, the, the end of the medieval warm period, uh, and then it's compounded by the Black Death. Uh, and in this death of feudalism, one of the strategies that emerges is uh, suppression of worker power, uh, war on the peasants, um, and colonial expansion um, led by the Portuguese. I, I, could, I, could, I could carry on in that vein for a while, but it's the afternoon and you're tired. Uh, so, r- rather than um, uh, give you the sort of chapter and verse version, which is really rich and interesting, but uh, may not captivate your attention right now, uh, what I would like to do is ask you a question. Um, can you just read this sentence for me? When jobs are scarce, men should have more right to a job than women. When jobs are scarce, men should have more right to a job than women. Um, I, I, I can't see... Can we raise the house lights just a little bit? Uh, thank you. Can you raise your hands if you agree with that statement? Excellent. Splendid. Uh, Good. Uh, There was a tentative raise at the back, but that went down very wisely. Um, So uh, this question was asked uh, internationally as part of something called the World Values Survey. Uh, And here, I mean, in Sweden, 2% of people agreed with that statement. Um, In the United States, 5.7. In... uh, Click, damn you. In Australia... (laughs) Yes, that's right. It's Father's Day today. It turns out it's Father's Day every day. Uh, uh, So... uh, 
uh, and India 52% and Egypt 99.6. So the question, no, 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 no. The question is why? Uh, uh, and, uh, I mean, you know, is it uh, that, that I mean, you know, in, in some countries, women just get paid less than men, and so if your interest is in maximizing household income, maybe this sentence makes sense. Um, but what if we control for that? Uh, and what if we control for income in a country? Uh, what then might be the reason that, uh, one of the major influences in, in uh, people agreeing with the same? Well, what is it that makes people sexist? Um, well, uh, it, could it be the presence or absence of oil. Maybe a country is cursed with resources, and that may have some relationship to people's attitudes around gender. Maybe it's something to do with religion. The faith of a country might have an important factor or an impact on how it is that people understand sexism. Could it be you know, just the representations of bodies in the mainstream media? <laughs> Or could it be? Uh, uh, could, it, could it? Could it be plows? Um, so uh, the answer, of course, um, is plows. Uh, now, th th this is important because uh, if, if the, 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 the Quarterly Journal of Economics is kind of a gold standard journal in the field of economics, and in 2013, uh, the, the, these authors found that uh, in their article on the origins of gender roles, women and the plow, uh, they found that if you look at 200 years of data, um, what you find is that when you control for income, one of the most important factors in the persistence, uh, the, the, the rise in persistence of sexism, is the presence or absence of a plow in farming systems. Why? Well, so this is the question uh, that, if you really want to understand what capitalism is and how it makes us, um, here's, this is a question worth getting under the skin of. Uh, and in order to be able to understand it, I want to draw on the work of Thomas Gainsborough. This is a picture of capitalism at work. This is the modern food system. Um, and it's the 1750 picture uh, by Thomas Gainsborough called Mr. and Mrs. Andrews. Um, now, uh, uh, let me draw your attention first uh, to Mr. Andrews. There he is. Uh, and uh, you, you can see him, uh, you know, he, he, look at him. He's, he's wearing hunting gear, barely. I mean, look, he hasn't even done the buttons up. He, he's, he's, he's just sort of like, fuck it. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and because, uh, and, you know, and, and in, in a sense, of course, you know, everything there is his. You know, he's got his dog and his gun. And, you know, he clearly doesn't give a crap. Um, but, but he is the, the patron of everything there. In particular, um, he's the patron of these nice, neat uh, rows of wheat, uh, which may have been planted using a seed drill invented in uh, 1705 by Jethro Tull. Just important to say Jethro Tull and remind you where it comes. Um, but, uh, the, and of course, made, uh, and these, these nice neat furrows made using a plow. Um, the plow is an integral part of the, the, the whole technological package here. Uh, the workers, of course, have been banished from the picture because uh, all that's left of them is the, the, the fruits of their labor, which he has paid for. Um, and in order to have this land, he's had to enclose it. Um, he's had to create substantial private property rights over it. Um, in the distance, um, you'll see what was once a commons, uh, an area where uh, peasants were able to, to survive uh, and to be able to manage that land together. Um, Back in the day, in, certainly in, in uh, English feudalism, uh, what you had was an area where, for example, women could dairy, could drive their dairy herds. Um, and uh, what you see w 
with the enclosure of that land, when the landlord says, no, bugger off, this is mine, it's now, I'm, I'm now turning it into private property and putting sheep there because they're much more profitable. Uh, when, when there's no land for women to run their dairy herds, uh, you see the, the wage rates between men and women, which are already unequal, uh, diverge fairly dramatically because there's no demand now for, for women's dairying skills because there's no land for them to dairy on. And so you see that the plough is part of a bigger picture of enclosure and of the origins of certain kinds of inequality and certain kinds of gender role. Um, and, and you can see that perhaps most clearly uh, by looking at Mrs. Andrews. Um, if you look at Mr. Andrews, uh, he, he's you know, obviously sort of louche and, uh, uh, and uh, the very opposite of his wife, who is uh, wearing uh, finery. And uh, you know, who's, uh, there's, there's actually a very interesting uh, part of this picture where, uh, if you look, there's a, an unfinished part of the canvas. Uh, that, some people said, would be where uh, they, Gainsborough would have painted a bird shot by Mr. Andrews, brought back uh, by his dog after you know, the bird being killed with his gun. Uh, but other people say, well, no, that's uh, where a junior Andrews would have been painted, a, a child. Um, but in every way, uh, if, if you look at this picture, it's a picture about the tragedy of the, the enclosure of that commons. Uh, the, Mrs. Andrews uh, is now, uh, as, as a bourgeois woman, uh, constrained to the home. And uh, is, you know, she, she's no longer allowed to know things about nature. She's not allowed to be connected to the world. She has a fairly well-defined role, and it's not about making money. Uh, and the, the, the women in the peasantry are certainly, have certainly been banished, and their income is, is persistently unequal. And so this is how the plough, as part of a capitalist system, can lead to uh, persistent sexism and gender inequality. Do you, do you see that story, right? So th th this, this is a sort of picture of that, uh, and it's it sort of sedimented history here. Um, now, th the reason I wanted to, to flag that is because we'll come back to what the opposite of this picture is later on. But I do want to explore a little bit more about what capitalism is today. So let's just hold this picture in mind and hold some of the, the ideas here about uh, gender inequality, about dominion over nature, about uh, the attenuation of relationships of knowledge over nature. Um, and let's, uh, let's just see what capitalism uh, is right now. Um, and it's important to use the word, uh, and because you know, if, if there is a, a future civilization um, after humans and they look in the fossil record, what will they see? Well, they, you know, they'll have uh, radiation from our atmospheric weapons tests. They'll, have, they'll see the plastic that we've laid down by 2050, there'll be more plastic in the sea than fish. Um, um, and they will see uh, fossils. They will see trillions and trillions of chicken bones. Um, and uh, I, I think, you know, there it is, the world's most popular bird. I mean, not, not that particular bird, uh, but, you know, the, just the, 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 the chicken is the world's most popular bird. Uh, and it's important to understand why. Uh, uh, and if we name the, the sort of the, the, the legacy that we're leaving in the fossil record, um, as, as some people suggest we do, as the Anthropocene, then we're getting it wrong. It's not the Anthropocene, it's the Capitalocene. Uh, the era that we're in at the moment is one that's all, uh, is not about Anthropos, it's not about humans being humans. It's about a certain relationship between uh, humans and the rest of the web of life. Uh, and the chicken kind of serves as a stand-in for exactly um, how messed up that relationship is. Um, because right now, there are 12 billion chickens alive, uh, but not for long, uh, because uh, they, they, you know, they live about 90 days, 
um, and then we kill them and eat them. Uh, and uh, the, uh, you know, w there are about 50 billion of them that we go through a year. So it's, it's fair enough to say that the fossil record after humans will contain trillions of chicken bones. Um, and the consumption is going up uh, globally. Uh, and it's, uh, I'm just going to run through all of this. I, I'm going to bamboo bamboozle you with graphs um, and, and apologize for that in a second. Um, but uh, the, if, if we want to understand how it is that uh, we've gotten to this, uh, this situation, um, let, let me rehearse the argument about the seven cheap things. Uh, and ju just to, to, to uh, you know, make clear, uh, capitalism is a way of avoiding paying its bills, a, a, a way of avoiding paying your bills. And so um, the, the seven cheap things was an idea that Jason and I came up with where we're looking at not only the ways that capitalism dodges the bill, uh, but the, the cheapness uh, is a sign that things are running out. And so let me, let me run through these seven things and just show you how it is that things are about to run out, and then, then we'll move on to better, happier time. Um, but first, yeah, I mean, let, let's think of the, you know, chicken uh, as, uh, as an example of what one might call cheap nature. Um, because you know, the, the, the modern chicken is d derived from the, the red jungle fowl here. Um, but the modern broiler chicken has been uh, bred so, uh, you know, d d d into this profit center with breasts so large it can't even walk. Um, and in the process, 50% uh, of genetic diversity has been lost uh, in, uh, in, in, in the modern broiler chicken. Um, and you know, our, our approach to cheap nature is that we, you know, we can treat nature as a resource and as a trash bin. Uh, let me just summarize all of these for you. Um, so, uh, the, the, <laughs> the, uh, so, you know, uh, but, but, but this is not a Malthusian argument. I, I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, it's population that's driving this. I, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying it's, it's uh, the, the way that capitalism operates uh, that takes nature and feels free to use it and abuse it uh, and, uh, and, and just destroy the, the world around us. Uh, indigenous civilizations, on, on, you know, on the whole, uh, and without romanticizing, have tended not to bring about the sixth extinction in the way that, that, um, uh, that the capitalism has. So we've, we've got cheap nature, and uh, as a result, we're running out of nature. Um, or we, you know, we're at a brink of sort of ecologic, uh, ecological catastrophe. Uh, now, a chicken won't turn itself into a nugget automatically. Um, it needs help. Uh, and so, uh, in, uh, the, uh, you know, and that process involves work. Um, cheap work and you know, the downward, price on, the downward pressure on, on workers' wages is uh, endemic. Uh, the reason we've got uh, uh, prison, uh, prisoners here is because in the US, uh, two, two cents of every dollar spent on a chicken nugget goes to workers. Uh, but in some cases, uh, prison workers who are paid 25 cents an hour uh, and in response to the opioid crisis in, in, in America, there's, there's uh, something uh, that uh, some uh, chicken executive set up called Christian Alcoholics and Addicts in Recovery, which is an opio opioid crisis sort of diversion facility where uh, people who are suffering uh, opioid addiction, uh, instead of going to jail for it, uh, they're sent uh, to uh, this, uh, this facility where during the day they pray, um, and then by night they work the chicken shift for zero dollars uh, as part of their therapy. Uh, and for students of history, that ought to be familiar because that's exactly what the Spanish did with indigenous people, um, where you, you introduce Christianity as a means of salvation, but you require work as well. Uh, so this is both a very old and a very new ta uh, technology of cheap work. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we're seeing more and more strikes, uh, and particularly in, in the, 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 sort of the, the, the home of cheap labor uh, in China. We're seeing labor dispute cases going, uh, going to an all-time high. So cheap work is uh, not as, quite as, as available as capitalists might like it to be. Um, now, what happens to bodies that are broken on the chicken production line? Um, you need care, I mean, and, and those bodies are broken in lots of different ways. Uh, the, 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 the rates of occupational injury in chicken, uh, you know, in, in uh, the poultry industry are tremendously high, much higher than any other job, uh, it, well, much higher than most jobs in the United States, certainly. Um, and 
in order for, that, uh, for, for these bodies to be uh, cared for, uh, there needs to be a community. And it's uh, still as a result of you know, the, the, the sexism we were talking about earlier. It's usually women's work to, uh, to, to, to engage in this kinds of care. Um, and if we think about how much that work is, is worth, $11 trillion was a 1995 estimate. Um, and the, the cost of care is increasing, uh, and not just care in terms of just managing communities, but care in terms of healthcare. And it's, it's starting to reach unsustainable levels throughout the OECD. Cheap care on its way out. I'm going fast. I, I do not apologize because we have so much to do. Um, and of course, the, if, if you're caring for people, um, part of that care package involves making sure that there is cheap food on the table. Uh, and that means that, in fact, the, the chicken nugget becomes a part of a vicious cycle of you, you keep wages down, so that, uh, yeah, yeah, but you also make available uh, food that is just a dollar. And so then you, you're, you're able, uh, you're, you enable uh, a working class to survive barely um, to be able to make it to the next day. Um, but those, you know, the, the basis of this cheap food is cheap cereals. Um, and in an era of climate change, every cereal crop is predicted to get more expensive. And so cheap food is uh, on its way out too. Um, now, in order to you know, turn this nugget into, you know, what, uh, to transport the nugget from, from factory to, uh, you know, to, to, to your uh, local KFC, uh, requires energy, there's energy embedded in the fertilizer and the feed. Um, and all of that, uh, you, know, you need energy to heat the hen houses. Um, and again, uh, although this government might uh, try to pretend that, that climate change isn't a thing, um, it, it is nonetheless, uh, it has brought us to the brink of the sixth extinction. Um, and of course, you need low interest loans. Cheap money is about low interest rate loans. Uh, and although you know, we're entering a little bit of a counter-cyclical moment at the moment, um, you know, it's the case certainly that in the United States, every KFC is a small business. And those small businesses are eligible for low interest rate loans from the Small Business Administration. Uh, so you know, cheap money is what allows capital to, to you know, make profit. Um, but when interest rates are as low as they can go, I mean, you know, the, the current sort of blip notwithstanding, uh, cheap money is on its way out too. And that returns us to one of the, the sort of original sins of capitalism, the, the idea of cheap lives, that, uh, that there are uh, people whose lives are disposable. Um, uh, and if you look at who's on the chicken production line, it's people of color and women uh, predominantly. Um, and that's, uh, you know, we're in an era of modern day slavery where there are uh, currently 40 million people in conditions of modern day slavery. Uh, that's more than the entirety of the transatlantic slave trade. Um, and you know, in the United States, one in 800 people is, uh, is, a result, is in a condition of modern day slavery. Um, so we're, that's, um, you know, that's sort of the, the, the seven cheap things Insta tour. Um, but we have to ask, all right, what, what, you know, how are we going to fix this? Who's going to undo this for us? And could it be that you know, there are well-meaning folk in the private sector, for, you know, say in the food industry, uh, who, who might be able to fix things for us? Um, I would humbly submit no. Uh, and uh, I would offer you uh, as evidence um, this fantastic report, Expect the Unexpected, Building Business Value in a Changing World um, by the, the anarchists at KPMG. Uh, now, uh, the, uh, KPMG uh, did a report, did this report in 2012, um, where they said, look, uh, let's find out what the eco, you know, just, just do some basically you know, sort of very shallow, simple indicators about, you know, what, what's the nitrogen footprint and the water footprint and what have you from uh, different industries, and let's represent that as a proportion of the revenue of that industry. So not a profit, but just revenue, like the big turnover number. 
Um, and they found out that uh, you know, the, the, every industry has a huge footprint, but in particular, the food industry has a footprint, uh, you know, a turnover of $89 billion a year, and its uh, ecological footprint is 224% of that. Um, and what that means, uh, let me just translate that for you, is that there's no such thing as a sustainable food industry. So every time uh, you're you know, picking up the, 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 the package at the store and you know, Nestle is uh, humming to you about how lovely this package is, um, you, you, can, you can feel fairly confident that that's bollocks. Uh, because, uh, I mean, I was pointed to this by the head of sustainability at Nestle, who said um, they, they ran the numbers and they found that the proportion was about the same, that, that their ecological footprint, that their environmental footprint was um, orders of magnitude bigger than their revenue. Um, and you know, if, 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 I think we can believe them when they say that there's no such thing as a sustainable food industry. So then what do we do? If, if, you know, if the people who made this mess are not going to get us out of it, who might? Um, what's the opposite uh, of, of this picture? Um, well, I think it's, the, I think it's uh, this picture. Um, this is uh, an 1857 painting by uh, Jean-Francois Millet. It's called Les Gleaners, the Gleaners. Um, when it went on display uh, in Paris, it caused a riot. Uh, and I mean, I, I, I wish paintings did that today, uh, but it, 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 can, you, can you see why? It's because uh, you know, you, you've got uh, uh, workers, women at the front of the uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, front and center, represented in work with dignity. There is a landowner, but he's way the hell up back there, uh, and he's—I mean—he's he, there. He's supervising the work of uh, the men on the left, who are actually harvesting. But gleaning isn't harvesting. It's the the older art of commoning, of, of recovering resources from a field, from the commons, after the harvest has happened. It's a it's a survival mechanism, a, a survival tactic for peasants. Uh, and what these women are doing is the opposite of capitalism. What they're doing is commoning again. Uh, and that's you know, the, 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 their representation as agents who have dignity rather than uh, deserve pity, uh, as agents who are strong as, as, and uh, far more consequential than the, the, the history that lies behind them, um, is one of the reasons why this, this painting uh, you know, brought to the surface such, uh, such emotion. So what does it mean then to be a, a, a commoner um, in the... The, 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 the 21st century. Um, well, very quickly, let me, let, let me sort of outline what that looks like by uh, doing, showing you some, some research that I've been doing with many colleagues in the Soils, Food, and Healthy Communities Initiative in uh, northern Malawi. Um, uh, they've managed to tackle uh, 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 malnutrition um, through a, a combination of things. Uh, they've uh, reinvented agriculture so that they're growing corn, beans, and squash here. They're not uh, doing uh, a monoculture of, with one crop for the market under a plow. Here, you've got uh, a rich ecosystem of corn, beans, and squash. You've got uh, the, the corn grows better because the beans uh, fix nitrogen in the soil, and the squash shades out the weeds, and you, you get more protein, you get 50% more protein, and you get a range of benefits by uh, uh, polyculture rather than a, sing a simple kind of monomania of, of, uh, of uh, just a single crop on the plow. Uh, but more importantly, you have to undo what the plow did. You have to tackle sexism. And that's what uh, the, the, the women and men of the Soils, Foods, and Healthy Communities Initiative did. Uh, and I want to show you what that's like. I, I want to show you how it is 
that activists in northern Malawi ended uh, uh, and struggled against the legacies of patriarchy uh, and the plow in their community. So I've got a five-minute clip of a, a documentary I've been working on with uh, the legendary director uh, Steve James, who did a, a film called Hoop Dreams. Um, but those of you who haven't seen it, you must go and see Hoop Dreams. It's a fantastic film. Um, but let me just show you for five minutes what the, this sort of commoning story looks like, um, and then I'll, I'll try and wrap up. But here is an, here's an instance uh, from the, the project we're working on. Tangu <laughs> Tindanjie Mbutoi 
kwani kuno kwethu ndikutanga takhalira kuno mwakhalira nani ndiposo apo vikusuzuka chomene kuno mwanyithu mwana alume chigashi ni chithu chakubwavu mungu vipulikisa kama college vajenda ngenganira tikayanga po da zero baramula mushari kukaika kaika ndikupangirengemovwiri Uyo wakalenga Adam. Chiuta kalenga Adam. Nakuyoya kuti wakasanga kuti munthu lawana phukwa uchitachita ukharakhara kuti nikupangire pomovwiri munthu wakuti wakovhirengeka. Mwanakazi dangu lake ni isiti vaovhiri vaira. Nani? So kuti molekevana chakusuzwa rekanene kimbano kinipa. Kweniwe kuti ndi mwana wafuma kuti ndi nikukapo. Kwenganana tikasupana ukapo ana nivikire njani. Suzuko i iwo kuinga kakumora mwakazi nawo towa panyumba. Aha. Kweni mbwenga sanga kuti ah ivo nikaleni lele vana vana. Eh. Kulekera vanya kuvana vanga kwanisika cha. Suzuko i papakale. Inenga niko mvura kana iwo ndi uvashira vaonde kwakavamvura kuti vena nali na. Now, um, th there's there's a there's a good Orson Welles line. Uh, if you want a happy ending, that depends, of course, on where you stop your story. I wanted to stop it there because if we're talking about smashing capitalism for beginners, um, I should I shouldn't pretend that it's easy. Um, and it was it was hard uh, for uh, Jennifer and Winston. Um, and it, it took a lot of work. Um, but in the end, uh, Winston stopped being an ass. Uh, I, I mean, it, 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 took, it took four years, um, but now you know, he's part of the village climate change team. He's, he's, he helps out at home. He, you know, he, he changes the nappies. He cooks food. Uh, and he is, he's, he's fully with the program. And you may say, well, that's lovely. You know, uh, but uh, what, what difference does that make, really? Um, well, if, if you look at nationally, uh, under five stunting, you know, the, the ch children's bodies are, are deprived of nutrients so that they, they, they will never reach their full potential. And nationally, uh, the under five stunting rate is still pretty high. Um, but there, as a result of where the program is in this catchment area of 120,000 people, uh, they've had to close the, the neonatal rehabilitation clinic for want of cases. Um, it works. Uh, and it worked not just because people were thinking about how do we get more out of the ground, um, but they were thinking systemically. They were thinking about uh, transforming gender relations, transforming the way we eat, transforming uh, how it is that uh, we can make money, that they have their own credit circles, they have educational um, uh, circles, they, they, they fight the government um, to be able to get better health care. Um, now, I'm, I've gone on far too long, and I, I'm, I'm running late, so what, what I'm doing, I'm just going to sort of cut myself off here. Um, but uh, there's, there's more to say about this story, uh, and more, I think, to, to translate from this uh, to how it is that, that some of these lessons, lessons about intersectionality, about um, fighting patriarchy, about transforming uh, relationships around life and, uh, and each other, can inform how it is that we move beyond capitalism. But for now, I apologize for running late, and thank you very much indeed.
Um, before we throw to the audience, I can't help but ask you a couple of questions to start with. Um, look, I think you're one of the best, if not the best, writers in the world on food and politics. And it's wonderful. I mean, your work's always involved some stuff about gender. And watching Jennifer and Winston speak and, and um, people in the audience laughing, and I think it's easy to laugh, but I can tell you the data shows Australian men and women are not much better <laughs> than Jennifer and Winston. So there's a lot of... Um, there has not really been much movement in the gender division of unpaid labour in the home. In fact, as long as the ABS has been... Our Australian Bureau of Statistics has mm. been measuring it. In fact, uh, they decided for a while that they may not measure it, I think, because they were so bored about <laughs> repeating the same report, but they have decided to do it. And one of the things that's always interested me when you've talked about global food systems is that so much of big, multi, you know, um, big food corporations is about marketing to what they call the main meal preparer, which is almost always a mother um, who works. And their whole idea is how can we give them packaged food that makes it quick to put a meal on the table for families? It's never, ever occurred to them to say the real problem here is that it's only women or mainly women <laughs> making these meals and that perhaps we wouldn't need um, all of this packaged food if men were involved more directly. So the stuff obviously that's happening in Malawi is there's an issue there around climate change, food and gender, but how do you see that playing out kind of more globally in all kinds of countries, including affluent countries like Australia? Well, I mean, I think what that is an example of is, first of all, I mean, it's sort of counterintuitive that Africa would be in the vanguard of smashing patriarchy. Um, but it's only counterintuitive because we feel like, oh, yeah, we, we, we've got it all sorted out here. Um, and, in fact, the, I mean, the, the reason to, to, that the patriarchy needed to come down there was because it was... Uh, it, 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 I mean, they, they sold it as the idea of, look, if we want our children to survive, um, we need to recognise that this is a time for a, a new normal. Uh, and that was, that was not just about recognising the, the, the crisis of child malnutrition uh, or of uh, the epidemics of HIV-AIDS. Uh, it was also about, um, the, uh, about climate change, right? The, 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 they're now living in, new, uh, in, in a new climate era, uh, and everything is changing uh, in, uh, in, uh, you know, in, in village life. And uh, you know, there, there are folk in Malawi who are happy to sort of stick with business as usual and have the fertilizer and have you know, the gender inequality. But this was a, a group of people who organized. I think that, that that's the lesson, that there's, um, there's nothing that you can't achieve if you organize. And if you're scientists, I think that, that that's, that's the lesson here, mm -hmm. that, that there were... Uh, you know, that everyone here was a scientist, a social scientist, trying to figure out how to how to tackle patriarchy, mm -hmm. uh, and they, they, they you know they had a, a failed experiment um, before they settled on these recipe days and then the, the organising afterwards, where they just went door to door and showed men how to cook, uh, and you know there, there was it was like a celebrity chef comes to your house and like <laughs> you know man of the house come here you know you, you may have seen this before it's a pot. Uh, and the man was like, oh, yeah, I've often wondered how that works. Uh, and, uh, and, and so then you would have a sort of cooking experience, uh, and then it would be joyful and pleasurable, and then nothing would change because, you know, it, it's just like the food network. I mean, you, you don't watch the food network to end patriarchy, no. right? I mean, that, that's not what it's for. Um, but, but, they, it, but it took experiments, and it took lots of different uh, iterations to be mm. able to crack this. Mm. But the fact that everyone felt like they were a scientist in a community of scientists tackling a very serious problem mm. um, is a very different approach than the one... Uh, you know, uh, of the, that we're encouraged to think of in terms of development, where we will go and develop Africa, or even uh, our approach to politics, where we're told, look, 
vote, will vote, we'll put an X in a box you know, once in a while, and then other than that, the politicians will do it. Uh, you know, and we're never allowed to be social scientists in our own uh, political lives. Uh, and insofar as we're, you know, we have that taken away from us, we're, we're not as powerful as they are. Mm. I, I remember one time I had a um, big food company come to me and they wanted to do a piece of research to say, look, we want to do some research to encourage Australians to cook more at home from scratch. And I said, by Australians, do you mean women? <laughs> and they said, no, 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 we, no we, really, you know, we really want your perspective. It could be men and women as mm. well. And I said, well, I have an idea. Why don't, how many men work for you and your company? And I said, why don't you encourage them all to go home at 4 p.m. every right. day to cook a meal? Crickets. Never heard from them again. <laughs> so, so a bit about, you know, this, this constant... It's the inability for big corporations to think about behaviour change even from their own from their own perspective. And constantly, like, why don't we just market something that makes it easier for the working mother to put the meal on the table? And that's right. I mean, and, and, and if, if you do that, and if you have the sort of money or the, the time-saving device, and you don't change patriarchy, then you have what happened in America with the washing machine, where you know, the washing machine is brought into the home. Does that mean that women are spending less time doing domestic tasks? No, it just no. means that men have higher expectations of how often their no. clothes are clean. Yeah. Uh, and so, well, apparently we're supposed to be really worried about invisible germs. There's, there's a lot of germs that I can't say that I've got to worry about. Uh, <laughs> I don't have time, I'm here. Um, <laughs> coming, and speaking of coming here this afternoon, my 10-year-old daughter said, well, why aren't you around for Father's Day? And I said, well, I because forgot it was Father's day. day. But um, yeah. I, she said, I told her about the sessions I was doing, and I said, oh, I'm doing one called... Smashing capitalism for beginners, and she asked me, "What is capitalism?" So I was kind of thinking, "How do we talk to young men or women? What is capitalism? How, what would you say to her? Um, How would you define it in a way that makes sense to her?" It's the way that we relate to one another and the world around us uh, that makes it okay for us to be disrespectful to one another and the world around us mm. and get rich. Mm. Uh, and I think that that. Uh, I mean, because it, it's if, if you if I mean, that, that, that's that's not a bad working definition mm. because capitalism is premised on the idea that there is cheap nature. Uh, it's mm. premised on the idea that it's okay for some people not to be earning very much money because you know we we have whatever fantasies we have about well one day they'll be millionaires. Um, mm. But uh, I, I think it is about a certain relationship about us and the web of life. Uh, and in this version of the web of life, uh, we're okay with exploiting mm. um, and. Uh, as long as there is some, uh, some reward at the end of it for some people, uh, we can build a, mm. a society that's sort of stable enough to have lasted mm. the last 600 years, but not much longer. I love your concept, too, about how capitalism involves like, basically running out on the cheque, mm. <laughs> not paying debts. And you had that, um, that slide of the $1 hamburger. And I wonder, while there are lots of hidden costs in the cheap things that we buy, mainly mm. costs to people we'll never see that live in another country, I think about what is the hidden cost in a $1 hamburger to the person who eats it? What is the cost for them down the track? Well, I mean, some researchers in India said, look, uh, depending on how, the, how the, the cow came about, um, a dollar burger might cost as much as $200, just looking at the ecological footprint. Um, 
But in terms of the, the social cost for you, if you, if you have a, a dollar burger, well, I mean, you know, the, the, I don't know how much a stain on one's conscious, conscience costs, uh, but, you know, you're participating in uh, workers not being paid very well, mm. you're participating in uh, the killing of, uh, you know, of, of, I mean, you're, you're, you're part of the, the, the sort of diminishing of the rainforest, mm. you're part of uh, the, 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 ex the extinguishing of vibrant uh, local food mm. cultures. Um, and, uh, and of course, there, there, there are long-term sort of health issues asso yeah. associated with eating you know, salt, fat, yeah. and sugar. Um, yeah. So, yeah. All of those costs. All right, before I um, throw it to the audience and ask the, um, uh, the lights to come up, I just wanted to ask, in order to smash capitalism, do I have to intend meetings at night? <laughs> Yes. I do, um, yeah. Well, I mean, or um, you could do it in lunch. I mean, right. it depends where you work. Um, we, we were talking about this earlier on, where actually it really helps to... to I mean, meetings are, are just going to be unavoidable because... Yeah. Otherwise, how do you organize? Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you could click, I mean, that's, that's the worry with sort of Facebook mm. uh, approaches to, to activism. It's like, click here to change mm. the world. That does nothing. Um, and so it, it does mean meeting people. And humans are pains in the ass. I have met many of you. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, Still buys book afterwards. He's <laughs> just an absolutely charming. No, but, but, you know, I mean, we're, 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 we're just difficult to get along with, uh, and yet we have to figure out a way to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of my fr my activist friends uh, are now uh, spend most of their time working on helping groups achieve better dynamics <laughs> and internal dynamics. Um, that's the big sort yeah. of uh, process. I mean, in that video I showed, it's yeah. it's hard to imagine that that kind of transformation couldn't happen if you didn't have an activist like the woman who was yeah. speaking. Sorry, I forgot her name again. Anita, yeah. Anita, if you didn't have Anita doing a bit of house to, you know, house to house work, sitting down, obviously at that stage she was pretty annoyed with the guy. Yeah. <laughs> but she persevered. Yeah. Right, uh, and, and, it, but it's, it, and it is about... Um, but notice that she was also being generous, right? This yeah. wasn't about her going over to just to, to administer a scolding and then bugger off again. Mm. I mean, she, she was coming over with a gift, yeah. uh, and she was coming over with love, she was coming mm. over with respect, and she was also coming over with, this is bullshit. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, 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 and, and I think those, all of those things are, yeah. are very compatible. But j just to, to, to get to the nighttime meeting thing, to return to this idea of, does it have to be awful? Yeah. Uh, no, it doesn't yeah. have to be awful. It'll, there will be meetings, but there will also be food and pleasure and fun. Uh, and uh, it's, it's important to remember that. Um, uh, like, uh, uh, the South African activists I, that I've worked with, Abbaslali Basim Jondolo, um, South African activists know how to, how, how to do this properly. Yeah. Meetings last for hours, uh, and it's broken, they're, they're broken up with food and singing, and there's always children yeah. around, and it's, it's, it's actually... Yeah. Six hours can fly like yeah. that. Yeah. I was thinking of Labour Party branch meetings, because yeah, there's no uh, singing, <laughs> and there's no food. <laughs> What's having fun? You need more tunes. Most of the time. Okay, I might ask for the um, lights to come up and an opportunity to ask um, straightforward, quick questions to Raj, because I'm sure there'll be lots of people in the audience who want to ask them. So I'll go from microphone to microphone. So is there anyone at number one? Is there anybody? Oh, they're coming down. Somebody's with a shoulder shake. Excellent. To number two. Yep. Go. You. Yes. Um... As much as the idea that an individual can make a substantial difference to the state of the world, wait, what did I say? Sorry. Mm. As much as that idea is somewhat false, what can an individual do on a practical level to actually lessen the suffering they may cause in how they spend their money or how they live their life in terms of 
snatching capitalism and such. Um, I mean, I, I, uh, you've, you've prefaced it by taking away everything that I would say, which oh. is, uh, no, 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 I mean, you're asking the right question. Uh, and you know, we, we talked about this a little earlier on today about the, the, the idea of, I'm just one person, what can I do? It's, it's such a powerful idea, and it's so debilitating at the same time, um, because uh, we're only powerful when we're together. Um, as an individual, there's a certain limited range of things you can do uh, that are usually about consumption. Uh, and so, you know, d does going vegetarian help, uh, help, help the world? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I imagine it will. Um, and uh, eating less meat is a good idea, and uh, being respectful of those around you, that's terrific. Um, but th the bigger question's about, well, you know, what about reparations? How do we... How do we uh, address white supremacy? How do we talk about patriarchy? These are not things that you can do by yourself. Um, it, 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 you, you know, it's, uh, it's just sort of the, the, the act of tree hugging. It, it's great, but that's not going to save nature. Um, I, I think that the, the important things that we have to do are, are going to be in, uh, in the, the, the realm of organizing. This isn't to say, though, that we shouldn't consume ethically. Uh, and, uh, but the idea of ethical consumption uh, often... Uh, makes us feel like we've done, we've done our bit. You know, I've got a Prius, everything's great. Uh, and uh, in fact, it should be a, a, not, not a, a, a seal of having arrived, but a goad to remind you that there's so much more to do. So uh, it's, and that's a different way of... Yeah. Do you have a quick follow-up? So essentially, like, organise as individuals to appeal to the kind of corporations and larger structures that are kind of causing the amount of... Um, suffering or in injustice well, I mean, Is that what you mean? Uh, it means uh, organizing with movements that are uh, looking to evade capitalism, to m make it uh, more survivable, uh, to make it um, less relevant, uh, and to, to come up with alternatives to it. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, that runs the gamut from political parties to uh, organizations like the international peasant movement, La Via Campesina. And what, what, what the slides that I didn't get to at the end there were, were slides uh, around how union movements, for example, are now starting to think about care work and climate change and reparations. Uh, there are ways of joining organizations that have these, on, uh, these ideas on their radar. Uh, in the US, Black Lives Matter is also interested in food justice and in climate change, uh, as well as uh, you know, racial justice and reparations. And I think that, that you know, if those organizations don't exist in Austria, and I, I would be surprised mm -hmm. if they don't, uh, then it would be important to, to work towards them. Mm -hmm. Um, so can I just ask the organisers, there should be a... Um, I don't know what the time is. Oh, it's 10. Is it 10? We've got 10 minutes left. We've got 10 minutes. Do you... Do you I can see it from there. Oh, can you? Can you tell me when oh. we're running out? All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right, over to number one. Quick question. Thank you. Um, we're coming in Australia to the pointy end of a Royal Commission into the banking and financial industry, mm. and that has revealed some gross, gross obscenities in how contemporary capitalism is working in Australia. And one of the things that's important, it seems to me, in this is the cultural um, milieu in which these organisations and their leaderships operate. And it's, can you offer a, 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 a thought on how we might change hmm. the ideas that are embedded at the heads of these sorts of organisations hmm. about what's fairness yeah. and what's a fair go and um, uh, how to um, create or sustain a society that's more human-centred rather than 
capital, pro capital production and profit centred, because that so, seems to me to be terribly important. So we had a Royal Commission that found out basically that bankers are bastards. <laughs> so it was good. We didn't know that before, but now we do. We've got the evidence. Well, no, I laugh because there were many conservative people who thought it's a waste of time. It would be bad for the economy and everything's fine. Don't look here. While we also get donations from these large corporations as well. Yeah, well, I, 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 do, 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 thanks. I mean, I, I certainly think that, look, we, we talk about in the, in the book about how um, war is financed by other means. Um, that, that actually that there's a very st strong and uh, an enduring relationship between um, colonialism, war, and, and banks. Um, so at some level, it shouldn't come as any surprise uh, that, that bankers can be bastards, because historically, that's, that's been their job. Um, but I think it's important to recognize also that uh, contemporary society has um, ways of making people more bastards. Um, there's, a, a, there's a reciprocity game, um, a, a game where uh, in, in, social, in the social sciences where um, you know, someone will, will, give, will give you a dollar and uh, you get to choose how much of that dollar to give to me and then I have the, the opportunity to reject that or, um, or accept it. And so you know, if, uh, if, you're, if you're a decent person, perhaps you, you would give 50 cents, to, uh, you'd keep 50 cents and 50 cents to me. Um, in some societies, you would give the whole dollar to me, expecting uh, you know, uh, th that I would uh, you know, then in some, in, in some future owe you something. Um, but the people who are the most selfish in, uh, in Western society are graduate economics students. Um, now, I, I point that out because he, here's how uh, people who are fed a diet of the belief that we are selfish bastards come at some level to enact that. But they only, you know, they, they, they never do it fully. They never give just a cent and keep 99. Um, there's always some element of decency in them that, that uh, allows them to, you know, maybe they, they keep 80 and they give you 20. Uh, but th that idea that actually it, that there are systems that produce the selfishness and the nastiness um, is worth remembering because uh, even banking as early as the, as recently as the 1960s wasn't as rapacious as it is now. Um, and what broke was the social contract around, la around labor uh, and how it is that uh, the welfare state would provide for everyone. Uh, and so to, I think banking is a reflection of how far we've come, how broken that social contract is. Uh, and uh, you know, we can't ask ba bankers to fix that. That would, that, would be, that would be a very bad idea. Uh, but, but I think that the way we get back to fixing that is by making uh, the, this I these ideas of selfishness um, absolutely uh, unacceptable, socially unacceptable, as unacceptable as uh, you know, in, in that uh, Malawi clip of you know, when uh, men find other men cooking, you know, what, what, what will they think? When we see that selfishness, um, you know, in the 80s, greed was good. Uh, it's important now to, to get those norms back to normal. We get those norms back to justice by organizing around them. Right. Do you Thanks, have great question. Oh, sorry, just quick follow-up. Do you quick have a blog or in some other method of, of people participating in the conversation about how we can overcome capitalism I and get I mean, to a better society? I am a, a student of uh, lots of social movements, and so whether it's uh, the Democratic Socialists or La Via Campesina, um, I, I follow them. I'm, I, I'm just like a foot soldier in this. Uh, and uh, I, uh, But if, if, if you... Look up if you go to rajpatel.org, you'll find a lot of those organisations yeah. there. And buy his book after this. Um, to number two, quick question. Yes, indeed. Uh, thank you, Raj. Very stimulating. Um, I farmed for 30 years in the northeast of Victoria, huh. and during that time, several of us had different issues, and we got together in what's now known as land care. It was a land protection group in its early days, 
Um, I want to mention land care for people here if they want to get involved. There's rural and urban land care groups. I'm particularly thinking of that young woman who spoke initially. Uh, it gives an opportunity of hands-on. Not everybody's got land or places that they can grow vegetables or do different things. Uh, I'd like her to know there's a particularly active group of her age group called Intrepid Land Care, which is in the Hunter Valley. Um, and I'm now in an organisation that's Australian Land Care International, and we're actually, there's now land care in Iceland and different things. So I think one of the things which you're really saying too is look around locally where you can, it's not all out there, it's not about they oughta, it's about we oughta, and we've got lots of opportunities in, in um, all areas of land protection, of climate change, of speaking up and speaking out because the community is well ahead of the government. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Over to number one. Um, Four minutes. So you talked about the way that feminism and smashing the patriarchy can help deconstruct capitalism. But what do we do to keep those movements authentic and helpful when capitalism latches onto them and commodifies them into just another selling point? Oh, that's a great question. Good question. Um, yeah, there's a worrying kind of capitalist, in some feminist order, worrying kind of selfish, narrow, kind of, you know, particularly white supremacy in feminism. Right. Think of Ivanka Trump. It's all about empowerment, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> you made me think about Ivanka Trump. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> um, so, uh, the, I, I, thank you for that question. I mean, I, I think that that's... That, that points to something that's very hard as, as we think about what it is going to be like after capitalism, that there are no guarantees. There's nothing that can't be commodified. There's nothing that uh, capital won't be brazen enough to try and uh, turn into a label uh, or in some way co-opt or buy or um, you know, shave the edges off so or, you know, blunt in one way or another. Um, and the way that we hold true is by holding true uh, and uh, you know, co-conspiring, uh, you know, standing in solidarity with uh, and, uh, and plotting with uh, movements around the world. And I think that, that, that you know, for that, uh, you know, it's important to have a moral and a political compass and you know, being explicit about politics helps so that you can discern whether something has been bought out or not. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm a follower of um, the, the Black British Cultural Studies uh, icon, Stuart Hall, um, whose work is magnificent. Uh, and one of his, his key ideas was that, there's ne that there's, there are no guarantees, that we should embrace a politics without guarantees. If someone's promising you, uh, you know, here's a surefire way of ending patriarchy, they're lying. Uh, there's no such thing. Uh, and so uh, this is to, to embrace your question and to, to thank you for it and to say there's no way that capitalism won't fight it off. And what we have to do is stand strong with principles that we've outlined collaboratively, openly and in, in, in advance so that we can see, see the stuff yeah. coming. Great question. Thank you. Um, over to two. We think we've got time for this and one more. Okay, that'll be great. Thank you. Um, so in system dynamics um, theory um, developed by a group of philo uh, doctors in MIT in the last 1970s, um, they basically acknowledge that the um, current society which runs on this growth-based economic theory um, in which you can never really depend on the government or the um, business, the enterprise, but only the, so the grassroots social movements mm. to solve these problems. But my question is, the more I learn about those theories and the how things work in the society, the less I was able to 
um, see my personal impact by doing the things that I can do, which mm. in my control. And the more I engage with the people around me who has um, bigger influence because they're deeply, in, more deeply embedded into the system, the less I realize they they truly respect those individual um, endeavors. And I guess because I work in tech and all of the world that I can see nowadays, they're so into the 1% pledge, they're so into this quote-unquote social projects, which is embedded into um, the, uh, the company structure, but none of them really uh, leverage their uh, unique position and, and skill sets to, to make impactful changes and meaningful changes. At the same time, I see so many influencers online who is using the cutting-edge technology, doing blockchain and Ethereum-based mm -hmm. Um, marketplace to sell flowers and trees. Um, I guess my question is, have you figured out a point where you can leverage the, the strengths from both world, um, both the, both, I guess, strengths from influence, influencer economy and the grassroots social movement, the social scientists' hard work and combine them in a way which you can actually really engage with the mass okay. audience and the youth today yeah. to, to make right. this change? Right. Big question. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> well, 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 wait, uh, is there a way that we can communicate uh, and uh, you know, reach as many people as possible? I mean, in a sense, that that's what I'm trying to do with uh, you know, things like a, a documentary and uh, much more than, I think, uh, influencers. I, I mean, I think I'm very suspicious of the idea that you know, someone with a gajillion Twitter followers is going to be in the vanguard of the revolution. But can um, you change the system within the system? I guess that's No. Uh, I, I, I think that the, the way that we communicate and we make change uh, is going to matter. Uh, uh, and you know, the, the, the social media tools might be a little bit useful here. But in general, social media is, is dangerous because you know, when the product is free, the product is you. Uh, and uh, commodifying yourself through social media doesn't seem to be a win-win. Instead, uh, I would encourage people to, to do other things like, you know, uh, instead of distrusting the government, become the government. Uh, and uh, you know, recognizing and seizing power uh, in, uh, is, is the sort of thing that you can't really do very easily with your thumbs. Uh, it, it, it's, it's the sort of thing uh, that, that requires organizing, and yes, there may be a role for you know, sort of uh, you know, your, your Twitters and uh, God, I'm, I'm sounding so old. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, th th there may be a role for social media there. But I, I also think that the, 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 the more important vectors for organizing are going to be face-to-face -face meetings yeah. where we build trust yeah. um, that doesn't break uh, yeah. with, a, with the simple press of an unlike. Yeah. Thank you. Now, thank you. Thank you. That's telling us we're overdue, over isn't it? I'm so sorry. Go and buy his books and ask his question, and I'm sure he'll um, respond. I want everybody to put their hands together and thank, thank you so much. Thank you very much.